Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Van Maren Show at LifeSiteNews.com. Those of you who follow this show will know that several weeks ago, we had an interview with Jojo Ruba of Faith Beyond Belief after he testified before the Canadian Justice Committee on the conversion therapy ban, which would actually make many forms of Christian counseling and therapy for those with unwanted same-sex attraction illegal. Now, this bill is still working its way uh, towards the Senate, towards another vote. But one of the reasons I wanted to have another discussion about this is, one, because uh, JoJo's colleague, Aklet Ekema, who is a speaker at Faith Beyond Belief as well, also testified before the Justice Committee. And when I watched her testimony, I found it so incredibly powerful that I really wanted to share it all with you. Another reason I wanted to highlight it is because so many people um, that I know in our circles are, are much more concerned about various COVID restrictions and health restrictions. And while I agree with most of them on these health restrictions, and in in some areas I have extreme concern, I really do think that we need to wake up to the fact that there is a piece of legislation progressing towards completion that will actually initiate persecution, that will actually dictate what a pastor can or cannot say about specific issues. And this is an issue that's happening right now. This is progressing towards completion. And that sometimes I think that with some of the laws that are being passed, almost under cover of pandemic, the perfect time to pass legislation like this is during a time when everybody is so distracted uh, that we're missing the opportunity to speak to the culture on this issue, to speak out on this issue, and to address our politicians on this issue. So I'm going to be talking here to Colette. She has talks on sexuality, sexuality and apologetics. I've heard her speak myself before. She's she's spoken all the way across Canada and has, has very courageously shared her story and its implications. And so I won't share too much more here in the introduction because she's going to tell her story. And so without further introduction, here's my conversation with Colette. All right. Uh, to start off, Colette, uh, you've been a very public face in in the fight against the conversion therapy uh, ban here in Canada. And a lot of people hearing about the conversion therapy ban uh, will think that they're talking about electroshock therapy, will think that this is a good idea. So two questions just to introduce this to our listeners, because one of the reasons I've really wanted to have this conversation is I feel like this bill has not been on the radar of enough Christians, is A, um, what is this bill all about? And B, why are you so personally passionate about it? Thank you so much, uh, Jonathan, for that, those questions. I think, you know, when I first heard about the conversion therapy ban and the, you know, the, the goal to get rid of this terrible, terrible practice, I was actually excited because I thought the church and Christians would have an opportunity to show support for people, no matter what their feelings were, no matter what they believe their identities are and all these things. So I thought, this is great. This is an opportunity. But then as the months went on, um, we could see that the wording of the actual legislation was so uh, broad mm. that, you know, when I'll just, I'll, I'll explain it this way. So my mm. boss at Faith Beyond Belief, Jojo, he started talking about this and, you know, I, it was on my radar because it was on his radar, but I didn't really think it was my issue. And then in, I think it was last February, last March, when they were talking about the conversion therapy ban in Calgary, he sent us the wording and something jumped out at me, which was any any uh, tactic or service to reduce attraction or behavior, um, non-heterosexual, non-heterosexual attraction or behavior. And when I saw that, I realized, wait, this is about me. (laughs) And the reason I say that is because um, when I was a teenager, I was sexually assaulted and it very much affected my uh, 
my sexual identity, my development, my thoughts, my, uh, my health, all these different things. I became addicted to pornography and, um, I needed help. I really needed help. I was struggling and my mm -hmm. husband and I were struggling in our marriage. And I am so grateful that I was able to find help both through a secular counselor at the university of Lethbridge right here in our city. And I was also able to go to a faith-based support group, kind of like a 12-step group, where we helped each other with compulsive, uh, whether it was compulsive masturbation or porn use or affairs or whatever it was. And it was all from a Christian perspective. It's called Freedom Group. And um, I realized that both the secular counselor that I got and that faith-based support group are a service treatment or tactic uh, used to reduce non-heterosexual attraction or behavior. And that was when I realized that this is not good, <laughs> that the phrasing was just so broad that it would directly criminalize the exact help that I got. And, you know, the counseling that I got and so the combination of the two, the support group, the counseling, which I've had over the years, um, which technically I don't have access to now in Lethbridge anymore because they also passed a conversion therapy ban. You know, all those things, they they saved my life. They saved my marriage. They saved my health, my sanity. And um, here I am being told by the government that what I chose, I should not have the right to choose. Now, you brought up uh, Jojo Ruba, and we've had uh, him on the podcast to talk about uh, something similar. And you both testified before a parla parliamentary committee on this. And when I when I saw your testimony, impressed isn't the right word. It was it was very raw and very courageous. It, it, it took a lot of guts to to speak to a crowd like that, knowing it could get covered in the news, knowing that MPs were listening and to talk about your personal experience in that way. What was it like to, to testify about something so personal that you kind of got forced into sharing a personal story uh, because they were threatening to ban the help that you got? Um, so how, did you feel it was an honor to be able to do it? Did you feel a little bit resentful that you were sort of pushed into having to do it when it should be nobody's business, whether or not you received treatment for anything? That's really interesting. You know, I think... Um, to go back to go back a little bit, I was honored by being asked to speak to the Justice Committee. I really was because in May and June and over the summer, the city of Lethbridge was dealing with their conversion therapy ban. And we had many, many people sending emails and phone calls asking, when is this public meeting? Are we going to have a public hearing to talk? about this mm -hmm. and they simply ignored everybody and then even had they were forced to vote on having a public meeting and it was a few hours of saying you know we can't give people like you know, me and anybody else who uh, opposes this ban we can't give these people a platform because it's going to re-traumatize people and make them want to commit suicide and yeah. that was so devastating for me because it really made me feel like the trauma of what had happened to me was somehow my fault as if I should be feeling bad that just by talking about what was done against my will would somehow hurt other people so much. It was just, it was very hard for my mind to wrap, to get wrapped around that. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and that was hard. So when the justice committee asked me to testify, I was very, very, very honored and very happy to do so because I was just, honestly, I'm, it's been a rough go, <laughs> but it's mm -hmm. been, I'm just grateful for the fact that God has used my story and has used my testimony because there's already been so many women who have come forward to me and to many others to say, you know, I didn't think I could talk about it, but maybe I can. And that, that, you know what, that is just all worth it. So there's no, there's no resentment or frustration. Uh, all that frustration goes to, um, 
yeah, I think it goes to the whole situation of the fact that we're in this mess. But I think, to be honest, as a as a Bible believing Christian, I think that we as a community have not done enough to try to address this issue before this mm. conversion therapy ban happened. Now we have Bill C six, and we're all very very worried about it. And what is the church going to do? But I think we should have been worried about it five years ago, and we did nothing. And that's why we're here today. What was the impact of your testimony to the Justice Committee from the MPs? Because, you know, even a lot of conservatives were voting for the conversion therapy ban. Uh, And then you and several others delivered this personal testimony. Do you know if it had any impact on the politicians who were listening to it? I know, you know, it was so awesome. I know for sure that I, I could, I think if I would have actually been there, I think we would have been able to hear a pin drop because I think they just weren't mm. expecting that at all. And I directly addressed their argument. You know, you, the liberal government has continued to say that what I am saying is not included by this, in, is not included in this bill because we still have a caveat for uh, legitimate exploration of your identity. And so I directly said, I was not interested in exploring my identity or where this came from because I knew what where it came from. And I wanted to reduce these behaviors and feelings and thoughts. And so I directly addressed that. And I don't think that they were expecting that. And so, but I did, you know, the justice minister, minister right away, just kind of discarded it and said, yeah, yeah, you know, what you're saying is just not covered by this. And I'm, and I'm going to put something in there. I'm going to change the wording to make sure that, uh, that, that, ref- that the bill reflects that. And I have asked him, <laughs> I've challenged him. Uh, I have not seen that change. And mm-hmm. uh, he said he would. But that change has not come. And but what was really the highlight for me was seeing uh, the response of Empiriel uh, Fortin of the Bloc Québécois. So he's been a very strong supporter of the conversion therapy van, very, very pro LGBTQ and uh, trans rights and things like that. And he's as as more witnesses testified, he directly said, this is a quote, the more witnesses I hear, the less I know what to do about this bill. And you could mm-hmm. tell that he was he was like he was legitimately concerned. And it just went on from there. It was almost as if that was the catalyst. And yet, you know, it's hard, Jonathan. I don't know if it's going to necessarily make that impact to change the vote, because I do know many conservatives who, like you said, conservative MPs who are fully against this ban. But just because of connections in the political party and stuff, they're still going to vote for it without any yeah. amendments. So this yeah. is politics. Right. So I'm not saying that this is going to change everything, but it was very powerful to hear Real Forte not just say those things, but then to also admit in later meetings, you know, let let me just run on a scenario by you. If a young boy comes home and says he wants to wear makeup and wear high heels and a parent says, you know, maybe that's not such a good idea. You might get bullied at school. Is that included in this? So you could tell that he was starting to uh, run the scenarios and he was not liking the answers that he was finding. And that's important. And that's why we're really grateful to do apologetics and to ask questions and to hammer these kinds of things home because they need to be thought through. And when people are forced to think them through, then they realize that they they don't hold water. So where is the bill right now? Uh, so it's past third reading and it is before the Senate, but it has not been. So it's been ta- it's been tabled, but it's there. They keep they keep postponing it. <laughs> so they were supposed hmm. to deal with it in February. And now it's uh, being pushed back toward maybe even the end of March. And we're not 100 percent sure why we did have uh, one senator say, it looks like you guys are doing something right because they put it on the back burner. So that's hmm. great, but we're not really sure what that means. Um, so right now, that's that's where we're at. 
because of the circles that I'm in, obviously, which heavily overlap with the circles you're in, I've heard a lot about the conversion therapy ban from from yourself, from JoJo, from from the people at ARPA. LifeSite News has published a whole bunch of it about it. Convivium Magazine has published a bunch about it. Campaign Life Coalition has talked about it. So in this sort of social conservative ecosystem in Canada, there's been a lot of discussion. But one of the reasons I wanted to have another discussion about the conversion therapy ban is because of how much discussion there is going on at the moment um, about persecution of Christians due to COVID-19 lockdowns. Now, I don't want to get into what constitutes persecution, what doesn't. I have my own thoughts on that, and I'm I'm of the feeling that that we're, we're, we're heavily exaggerating things at best. But at worst, I think that a lot of people who are very, very concerned about various COVID things have entirely missed the boat on a piece of legislation heading towards final approval that will very explicitly prevent pastors from sharing the whole gospel in their own homes, will very directly prevent educators, counselors, psychiatrists, and even in some instances parents uh, from attempting to teach people the full truth of the Bible. So on one hand, you have the, this, the issue of health restrictions, which Christians are split on, and I think legitimately split on in some cases. And then on the other hand, you have this piece of legislation that's actually going to do all of the things that we're concerned about, that's actually going to facilitate, it could facilitate the persecution of pastors who offer help to their congregants, to their parishioners, to their members who struggle with same-sex attraction and wish not to, because at this point, if he decided to pray with them that God would reduce this attraction, um, they would be breaking the law, and they would therefore be commanded to do so. So what can we do to make people start talking about this? And maybe for those who are listening, lay out some of the explicit scenarios again, because I find that I do find that the conversion therapy ban is, is the, the title of it, and the way it's been presented in the media is such that a lot of Christians just prefer to ignore it because it's a bit controversial. They're not sure if they're on board with it or not. And so I don't feel like this has gotten as much traction, um, with the exceptions of the organizations, etc., that are referred to as it should be right now. And that we're being distracted by issues that aren't nearly as important. No, absolutely. I think the biggest thing is that, at you know, really the way that the legislation functions is that the way that I would equip Christians and mobilize them is to encourage them to understand that this conversion therapy ban is not just a conversion therapy ban. This is a ban on conversion for people who are LGBTQ mm. and even for people who are for people who are Christians and who want to continue to live the way that the Bible calls them to. And so this is direct, you know, in so many ways, a direct discrimination, not just against believers who say, I want to follow the Bible and the government can't tell me what I should and should not do and which therapist I should go to or if I'm even allowed to go see a therapist about that, because I've called therapists and they're concerned. They don't you know, there's pastors not returning phone calls. There's social workers not sure what to do with different things. And they just are not calling people back because they just don't know what to do. And they're afraid. And the bill, bill hasn't even passed yet. So this is really important for the Christian community to understand that if you believe that the Bible gives freedom to people who are um, to people who are identifying different ways um, in terms of their gender or their sexuality and ways that are not in line with scripture, then you need to be very, very, very concerned about this legislation because it will directly make it illegal for us to say that there is there are parts in scripture, you know, sorry, just a perfect example. Jojo did a talk in Ottawa and while he was doing a talk, you know, it was just about identity and uh, sexual identity and things like that and redeeming love and all these things. It was not a conversion therapy event, but it was, and it was at this group called Dig and Delve, but LGBTQ activists got a hold of it and they just, you know, there was 
Andrew Hill, a pastor from Ottawa, a very well-known pastor, posted this big thing on Facebook where he tagged all these organizations and said, like, I cannot believe that these people support torture and all this stuff. And, you know, Dig and Delve has to shut this event down and all this stuff. And then one woman um, did a live video at the same time as the event. So there was no way that she could listen to the talk. And she actually invited Matt Ashcroft to uh, talk with her. And Matt Ashcroft, for those of you who don't know, he's the biggest uh, conversion therapy survivor um, who has really been pushing for this legislation. And he has been the, the one who's given most of the testimonies. And he tells his personal story because it's very powerful. He was seriously abused um, in, in some of the therapeutic situations that he was in. And so it's just heartbreaking to hear his story. And he activates you and makes you want to um, get rid of all this bad stuff, right? And so she was interviewing Matt Ashcroft. And she directly said in this video, you know, it's just a lot of self-hating garbage. And even reading Romans 1, that's conversion therapy, because it's you should not be doing that. You're telling people that they have to change. And if they don't change, they can't be loved by God, which really, as believers, we need to be very concerned about that because the heart of the gospel is change. Mm -hmm. You know, our culture is at the point where they're saying, you know, love requires no change. If you really love me, you will love me exactly the way I am without any change. But that is not what scripture says. God calls us to much better, to much more, because he knows that we need to be changed daily from the inside out. And he loves us so much that he's willing to do that. But we're not willing to, we're not willing to see that this is directly impacting that amazing work that God does through Christians, through books. You know, in Saskatoon right now, the city council is debating their conversion therapy ban. And it's so broad that it would actually, it would actually prevent sale of Bibles. Because the Bible could be could be seen as a tool or a resource yet to try to give somebody conversion therapy, because with this definition, really anything goes. I feel like right now Christians are really activated. Um, everybody's engaging in debates uh, for or against this, for or against that. Um, so everybody's really engaging right now. And they're, they're very much engaging politically as well. And so. What I, what, I, what I would like to know from you is when you look at people engaging politically and you think, if I could put that energy and that passion to work to actually speak out against all the things that you just laid out for us, and I wasn't even aware of the Saskatoon one, which is, which is, is even more egregious than, than the one they were passing in Alberta, um, what would you have the pastors and the people, the parishioners who are so motivated right now, so involved right now, everybody's scrolling on social media, how would you put that to work to fight this very imminent threat? I think I would encourage them all and congratulate them all on doing things that they thought they couldn't do. <laughs> so the Christian community has very often thought like, well, those are conversations I can't have, or I'm not good at that. I'm not good with words. Those are things that the pastors do. Those are things that the counselors do. That's not for me. But now when things have come so close to home, everybody has learned that God has given every single person a voice. And when we are believers, he uses our voices very, very much. But, you know, the enemy can also use our voices, right? And we need to remember that. But I think what's so, so that's exactly what I want to tell people. I think I would tell them, you know, you're doing amazing. You're doing a great job. So let's, let's ask the question, is this the issue that we need to worry about? What if we, what if we ask ourselves, if we could come together as believers to legitimately oppose true infringements on freedom instead of worshiping the freedom that we want that we want freedom to be exactly the way that we want when we worship let's say 
instead of worrying about those kinds of things, I think, you know, I grew up in Holland and, uh, you know, I was reminded of the, the wars every single day, you know, just on our way mm -hmm. to school, there was a lane of trees perfectly planted and there was a few missing because a plane had crashed there during the war. And so we always, you know, these are different reminders you have everywhere. And so I know what it's like, you know, I have learned a lot about the wars and those of us who study history, you know, you know how, you know what persecution and suffering truly looks like. And so when I see that people are saying we're being persecuted for preaching the gospel, I have a very serious problem with that because this is not persecution. The conversion therapy ban is persecution because it's directly discriminating against Christian belief and against LGBTQ people, which is a much bigger issue than COVID, which is affecting absolutely everybody the same way. And so what the way that I try to look at it, and I realize that this may not be a very popular view, uh, but the way that I look at it is that right now, the COVID issue seems to be easier to talk about. So we're talking about that. But I'm going to challenge every single person, every believer to remember what love is, to remember what the gospel is, which is that it requires change. And that we need to remember that we have a history that we have learned from. And I think at this point, Canadian society, Canadian believers are more worried and upset about the government taking away cake when they should be worried about the fact that they're taking away our bread. And that's where believers need to come in and step up and say, I am going to stand up for women like me. I'm going to stand up for the witnesses who have come forward with Bill C-6. I'm going to support these people because this is serious persecution. This is actual discrimination. And mm -hmm. this, is, this is going to impact people eternally. And that's devastating. And if we cannot, as believers, get this right, then how on earth can we expect the culture to get it right? I know you have talked to many people in the same situation as you. And in these conversations, do you get the sense that there are many Christians who are struggling with this? I, I know you know some. I, I know quite a few that struggle with this, mostly secretly. Very few of them publicly. Very few of them will, 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 will tell any, anybody because they're just not sure how people will respond. Um, what, are, what, are, what is the response of people you've talked to to this bill sort of looming? You know, basically every single person, even what's amazing, even unbelievers, I find it's almost easier to explain to unbelievers how unbelievers unjust this is because mm. they they see very clearly that's not right that doesn't make sense that doesn't add up right if there's a lot of people yeah you know to be honest Jonathan I don't know anybody who is not affected by this so whether it's uh, masturbation issues or pornography issues or intimacy issues or sexuality issues gender issues LGBTQ issues self-image issues these are all related to um, the beautiful design that God made but that has been broken by sin, which all has to do with our relationships and love and marriage and all that stuff. To make it really, to make it really come home, mm -hmm. I was just, I was asked just this past month to speak to a church about the issue of sexuality and pornography, particularly, because in this particular congregation, they have been asking the male leadership to step up and deal with these issues of sexuality, but there has been no response. And they were not, they didn't know what to do. It felt like pulling teeth. And these, especially women, older women who were on these committees to try to, you know, activate these things because they knew it was a problem. They weren't sure what was going on. And then just recently, they were having a meeting with some of their young women. And basically, not basically, without exception, every single one of these girls said, we don't know what to do because every single one of the boys that we know is using porn, is addicted to porn. And we ask them and we don't know who to date because there's nobody left who's not addicted to porn. Every single one of them is. And what's worse is that when we asked them about it, many of them said that it was their fathers who introduced them to it. 
So this is a this is a church that's dealing with systemic sexual addiction to the point where it's completely debilitating their ability to minister to their own people. And what a tragedy that is. But what gets even worse is the fact that now these women are left feeling so devastated and frustrated and upset and hopeless. Can you imagine now? you know, basically without exception, every single one of those women is addicted to masturbation. So they've asked me to come to that church and to speak to them and to run the identity project with them. And I can't wait because there is so much more to this. You know, there's so much more to life than living in these terrible, terrible behaviors that are not good for us or for the people around us. And that just hurt God. And so, yeah, this is happening in the churches and it's happening in the churches a lot. Um, because because they don't know they're not trained on how to talk about these things and you know Jonathan I'm just so grateful for you know I mean you and I have done a lot of pro-life work and so we were forced to deal with issues of sexuality Mm -hmm. because that's what that that you know that's that's what it's about right so that's what we're dealing with and because of that and because it's been on my heart for so long I've studied the scriptures and I feel like the modern church especially the western church has lost sight of the fact that the bible has whole books, not just about good sexuality, like Song of Songs, but there's even an entire book about the devastation of the fallout of sexual sin. Lamentations, the entire book, because when you go back through Jeremiah, without without exception, what God is calling them out for is for, he says, you went to every, on every high hill and under every spreading tree and exposed yourself and had your way with all of your lovers. This is seriously graphic language, and this is sexual language, and that's why I think that this is something. It's a fundamental part of our um, part of our part of our humanity, not what makes us human, but part of our humanity. That if we don't start to talk about this, and we're the ones as Christians who have the inside scoop, right? If a young mm. kid draws something, and that you don't know what it is, what do you do? You ask them, "What is it?" Well, God made this great thing called sex, and if we don't know what it is, we go to him and we say, what is this thing you made? And that's what believers need to do again. And so that's what I want to challenge every single one of your listeners to do is to get back into this issue because there are so many victims like me who need your help. You know, I think of even just the Ravi Zacharias scandal. Are Mm. we as church leaders, are we willing to call each other out and ask difficult questions about accountability and not be okay with the answer? Yeah, well, that's just Ravi. We have to not be okay with those with those answers. And we have to push people to hold them to a higher standard of integrity, the standard of integrity that God calls us to. And that's what I want to call every single one of your listeners to do. Final question, where can our listeners connect with you? Where can they find the resources you've been referring to? Yeah, so I'm a staff speaker at Faith Beyond Belief. So you can find all of our information at our website at www.faithbeyondbelief.ca. And you can reach me at colette.eichema at faithbeyondbelief.ca. You can book me for a talk or you can call me just to chat, um, whatever it is that you need. But yeah, that's, that's, that's basically it. You'll find all of our things there. And I encourage every single one of your listeners as well. If they're feeling, you know, okay, I want to do something, but I don't know what to do. Then I encourage you to start by going to the identityproject.ca, identityproject.ca, and take a look at the website and see that there's an actual course that we've designed that completely helps Christians understand the biblical truths about sexuality and gender. And not just that, but how to talk about them in a good way and a compassionate way. God, thank you so much for joining us and talking about all this. You bet. Thank you so much, Jonathan. God bless you.
Ladies and gentlemen, that was my conversation of Kla'ekema of Faith Beyond Belief. I hope you enjoyed this conversation or, or felt informed by it, and I would encourage all of you again to think about her story, think about what she said, because we really do need to be paying such close attention to some of the laws, some of the legislation being advanced right now in the Canadian Parliament, because these all laws are incredibly dangerous and will dictate what the future for Christian communities looks like for decades to come. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to check out past shows or subscribe for future shows, you can find us on YouTube or any of the platforms where you get your podcasts. You can head over to LifeSiteNews.com, click on the podcast tab and find it there. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope you'll tune in again next week.